This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello, dreamers, and welcome to the Dreamers Disease podcast with myself, Alex Manzi. And this is the podcast where we aim to inspire you to become the best you can be through hearing the stories of inspirational people who are out in the world and really following their dreams and following their passions. And we try to gain some of their wisdom and motivation and learn from their life lessons and try to then apply that to our day-to-day lives. That's the point of this podcast. That's why we're here. So on this week's episode, I'm joined by an incredible guy by the name of Ben Hurst, who works for a company called The Good Lad Initiative. And his role is to facilitate group conversations in schools, colleges, workplaces around male identity and masculinity. And I've been wanting to have a conversation around masculinity on here for a while. So Ben, for me, was the perfect guy to invite on to do this. And in this episode, we spoke about Ben's journey through religion as a kid and into discovering more about male identity. The recent Gillette advert, which if you haven't seen it, has caused quite a storm in the media. So we spoke a little bit more about that. The differences between masculinity and toxic masculinity, which is a really hot topic at the minute. Why guys find it hard to open up and talk. We also spoke about Ben's recent TED talk and how it came about. And then we also unpackaged, well, we spoke about how to unpackage masculinity because I believe that's a really, really important conversation that we should be having right now is instead of blaming masculinity for things, we should be unpackaging it and trying to kind of come up with a resolution instead of blaming it. So I think the blame game is a pretty bad one to take that road of. So I just want to thank you quickly before we jump into this episode for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't done that already. And also make sure you screenshot this if you're enjoying the conversation and share it to your Instagram stories. Tag me at I am Alex Manzi so I can connect with you there. And yeah, let's have a conversation over there as well. But right now, let's jump straight in and hear from Ben Hurst. How's it going? It's good, man. Thank you for having me. It's a no pleasure worries. to be here. I feel like I'm on such an iconic show. I've <laughs> seen this sofa day. so many times. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Do you know what? It's the, the sofa's a new addition to the recording setup. And mm. um, we only started recording here about four or five episodes ago. Uh, these are all of the episodes that I've seen. That was yeah, in the probably. time that I met you, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah so we, we met before, was it beginning of December? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Beginning of December um, at an event which was around... Um, masculinity, which was put together by um, the Roundhouse, Dr. Martins, mixed clouds, yeah, a mixed yeah, cloud. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we met because you were the facilitator of the event. I was like, "What word are we looking for here?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I was facilitating. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was an amazing event, man. To be honest, it was uh, like it was what twenty guys, maybe thirty guys in the room, yeah. all just talking about and deconstructing like what masculinity is and yeah. kind of just going from there, really. And it was, yeah, it was a very special event, I thought. Bro, it was sick. Also, do you know why it was good? Is because I I do so much work in like schools mm-hmm. and in universities and in corporate spaces, but like I never work with, not never, that's unfair, but I rarely, rarely get to work yeah. with large groups of people who like, I feel like are similar to me. Mm. Um, and so it was weird because I was facilitating, but I wasn't using my facilitator voice. Like I was just talking normally. Yeah. So... That was dope. And it was nice, like all of the guys. It was cool also because not everyone was like on the same page. Like it wasn't like people necessarily knew what they were signing up for. Yeah. But I feel like everybody brought like their genuine selves to the space. Yeah, so. which is I think which, which is what made it so amazing. It was just like a, a, a room of guys just being very open mm. and like honest about themselves, about being a guy in general. It was, yeah, yeah it was, there's very rarely places you can go and have those kind of conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. on mass like that. And it um, was nice to see the photos afterwards. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
they were oh in case you guys don't know they were all taking um portraits of each other yeah which was dope and was everybody like was end. like opening up yeah sharing their feelings it was so nice it was good it was good <laughs> um so on that note can you uh tell us a little bit about what you do with yeah, the yeah, good yeah. lad uh, initiative so i work um my full-time job is that i work for an organisation called the Good Lad Initiative and Good Lad work with men and boys, engaging them in gender equality conversations. Um, so we focus on talking about masculinity. We train guys to go into schools and universities and corporate spaces um, and facilitate workshops similar to the one that I did um, around masculinity, um, like kind of like a deconstruction and a reconstruction of masculinity. So talking about what it is, um, what it looks like, like how it manifests, what are the symptoms, um, about whether they like it or not, what bits are good, what bits are bad, and if they could change it, what would they change it to? Um, and we have some really, really interesting conversations. Mm. Don't ask me what they are, because I never remember when people ask me, but they definitely exist. <laughs> they definitely exist. Yeah, 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 they're fun. Um, so what's the kind of, when you go into like a, a workplace, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. you know, like you said, a, a school or a college or whatever, like what's the kind of construct of those workshops? Like how uh, do you put them to, together in a specific way? Or is it just like, we're going to go and have the chat? Yeah, so so there's it's very it's very structured in a way that makes it appear to be non-structured. Um, I shouldn't really tell you this on a podcast, but there's like there's a very like clear learning journey that we want to take people through, um, which is generally like starting with deconstructing stereotypes, so bringing like surfacing what stereotypes people hold about gender, so about masculinity, femininity, male and female, um, and then looking at like what those things are, what those constructs that we're working with are, and then talking about how we feel about that stuff. And then in schools and universities, we do like a mixture of like talking, like spoken activities and games and like kids are like running around and writing stuff on whiteboards and um, acting and doing all kinds of stuff. But I guess essentially like we talk about, so we, we have like a couple of topics that we always try to hit on. So we always do like violence. We always do sex and sexuality. We always do emotional literacy and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's very like conversation based. Um, and, it, and it is facilitating. It's not teaching. Um, so the key is like opening up the conversations, asking the right questions, loads of critical questioning, loads of asking like, where does that come from? Why do we think that? How did we arrive at that point? Um, and just giving guys space to talk because I feel like, there's this like stigma floating around, which I sometimes reinforce also about guys not talking. Mm. Um, but also like a lot of guys don't talk because they don't have safe spaces to do emotional literacy talk. So they'll talk, like if you get a bunch of guys in the room talking about football, they'll talk, right? Yeah. Um, or you get them talking about food or whatever, like people have stuff to say, music, whatever. But when you're talking about yourself and who you are and like what you're made up of and how you feel about it, feelings are the hardest thing mm. like no one I run these workshops like a couple of times a week and when we're doing introductions I'm always like give me your name and one word to describe how you're feeling yeah. and everybody's always like I'm good man I'm calm I'm fine I'm yeah. nice I'm hungry like that's <laughs> it that's like the full range of emotion and um, so we try and just push people and give them the space to like talk about stuff and we we kind of structure activities around opening those conversations so we'll have different things to start different conversations mm. and then we just like open it up leave it and see what comes out and then try and deal with the shit that's there so then in in these chats right do you get like is it like an overriding themes or topics that always come up or is it just completely very dependent on like who the group are and all of that yeah so so there's a there's like a, a format and a structure that we follow um 
but it's participant led. So like whatever people bring is what we talk Down about. But yeah. yeah. So we'll talk about um like we do an activity called an opinion continuum. So we have like set questions for the opinion continuum and then depending on what people say, we might make up new questions on the spot, but it would be stuff like, it's weak for a man to cry, agree or disagree. So strongly agree, strongly disagree. And then we chat about it. And then I would be embarrassed to cry at school would be a question. Um, it's okay for a man to hit a man. It's okay for a man to hit a woman. Um, and we'll just see what comes out. And then depending on what people say, we might like probe into crying and what that represents and mm. what emotions you're expressing through crying or we might talk about um gender norms and why like where did we learn that it's not okay to hit women yeah. um and like kids are kids are the best like kids are so funny because they're I like they're just raw aren't bro they're like, they're, like they're like um so their idea a lot of the time their idea of gender equality is like everybody should be able to punch everybody in the face <laughs> which is like obviously counterintuitive wow. um and so we'll push the conversation more towards like, would you rather live in a world where everybody's punching everyone or no one's hitting anyone? Interestingly, a lot of them are like, I would rather live in a world where everybody hits everyone. Um, but I think, yeah, so we talk about that kind of stuff. Um, we talk about porn. We talk about sex. We talk a lot about consent, mm. um, which is like super, super important. Um, and then just a bunch of topics. So like homophobia is a big one that always comes up. Um, and in different ways, like sometimes, so sometimes when we're talking about homophobia, we might be talking about um, LGBTQIA plus issues, or sometimes like kids want to focus specifically on like trans issues, or sometimes it will be about religion and like mm. my religion says this. And so I have to do that. Um, or I have to believe that about that, those, that group of people. Um, and then other times it's just like, people don't even know why they think what they think. But I think that's what we're always pushing for is like, why do you, as, as a 14 year old. And I think that's what I was missing. Like at 14, no one was really asking me why I thought what I thought. Mm. Like people were just like, at most, what do you think? Um, and at the least, this is what it is. Um, and so we try and give them space to like figure out. And I think that's the work, right? Like figuring out why you are mm. what you are, why you think what you think. Yeah. And I think like what you said earlier about the whole conversation around feelings is quite interesting because mm even if someone did ask you, why do you think like that? You don't then follow it up with, well, why does it make you feel like that? And yeah. why do you feel like that? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Like, I can't think of too many times where I've had like a really like feeling orientated conversation with like my mates or my family, or I've got a certain group of, you know, friends who I will have those conversations yeah, with, yeah, but yeah, yeah. on the whole, like yeah. very rarely. And even like, you know, I, I'm someone who's fairly open, like it's still like a very hard conversation to have because sometimes when everyone's not in that mindset or in that space, it's still like, bro, like we talking about, like, yeah, yeah. Still getting, <laughs> stop, stop, stop saying that. Like, yeah. Oh, man's getting moist or, or whatever. Yeah, so it's wet, like, yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I think, and I loved when, um, the event that I was at, when you just sat everyone down and one of the first things you said is like, by the way, guys, I'm very good at my job. So yeah. this is a bit crap. <laughs> this is on you guys. Yeah, well, this is so my thing. kind of put the like, onus on everyone to be like, oh, oh yeah. we need to turn up. We need to. When And I guess when stuff is participant led, right? Like I can only I can only do so much and I'm not there to lecture. I'm not there to like tell you the answers to masculinity because I don't know them. But um, all I, I feel like, especially when you're in a, a group of that many people, like all of the knowledge is in the room. Mm. Um, and so the onus is on the people to like, pull it out of themselves and offer it to everyone else and then we can build something out of that um but yeah feelings are they're, mm. they're a tough one i'm trying to push myself at the moment to like i've got like three friends um 
have more than three friends. But I've got three <laughs> specific friends who like, one of them's really good at having those kinds of conversations. Yeah. One of them's like transitioning into those kinds of conversations. And one of them doesn't have them at all. And I'm trying to like really push the conversations to like see how they go. And it's really interesting. Like um, it's almost like you're a fly on the wall, but you're also in the conversation. Mm. Um, and some like, I just, I, I, I'm still trying to figure out why it's so hard. Like I know it's like, to do with the way we've been socialized and like the things that you learn are okay and not okay when you're really young. Um, but I find it so interesting to like think about why it is that we struggle so much to like express mm. the emotion. And like in schools, for example, and in universities, like when, when you really probe it, you might say, how how would this hypothetical situation make you feel when people say angry? And then asking like, is that really anger? Like, what is the mm, actual feeling? Where is the anger coming from? Do you know what I mean? Is it like embarrassment? Is it like um, that you're you're upset for whatever reason? Is it like frustration because you can't articulate yourself? Or what is it? And why are you punching a wall? Like, what is the feeling behind yeah. the action? Yeah, really, really interesting stuff. I think it's like it's so it's so mad because like to me like you said it's because of a lot of the ways that as from a young young age we've been brought up is like boys don't cry and yeah, yeah, you know yeah, all yeah. those kind of like cliche sayings that get thrown at us and it's like it, it almost teaches us to keep it bottled and not to even explore that part so yeah. when you get later on in life to like you know your mid-20s your 30s or whatever and all of a sudden it's like you need to start exploring yeah the feelings and why you feel this way it's like oh i don't i don't know what's going on I don't, yeah. it feels like vulnerable and and kind of out of your comfort zone a little bit isn't it vulnerability is not like I'm, <laughs> i feel like i feel like i'm a bit of a poster boy for like talking about masculinities mm. but like the my lived reality is like i still really struggle with stuff yeah vulnerability is one of the ones that makes me super yeah. uncomfortable it's mad like i hate it yeah. i hate like when you're when you're like really deep into a conversation and you get to that point where like for it to progress you have to open up mm. I, I do not like that feeling. It's the hardest thing. Yeah, and also, I just find like the, the whole vulnerability thing, like I know that growth comes from being vulnerable yeah. and those vulnerable moments. Like that's where all of my growth has come from over the last few years. Yeah, yeah. But still, like you said, when you get to that point and you're having that conversation, <laughs> yeah. you're like, <laughs> what do I say? <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Yeah. But it's important. And I think it also like it's, it's um what I'm what I feel like I'm learning at the moment is that all of this stuff is conscious, like it's mm. conscious decisions. Um and when people have grown up in a way where they're in an environment where they just learn that stuff, like obviously they're gonna be good at it, but it's actually a skill. Like it's not just a, a natural part of mm. being a human, it's a learnt skill. Um and so you have to like push yourself in conversations to like feel the discomfort and continue. Um, which again is like super uncomfortable, obviously, yeah. but yeah, it's a necessary necessary evil, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the and the rewards of it, I think this is the stuff that we don't talk about. Is like, what's the actual benefit of doing that? Um, and the rewards of it are like exponential because you just understand yourself better. You understand other people, and you're able to like the difference between like communicating something to someone and not having the words for it, or communicating something to someone and being able to say, I think. The feeling is like a mixture of this and this and this. Mm. And the, their perspective is so much better of like understanding what they've done to offend you or why you're upset about something or why you feel shy or embarrassed or whatever. So super important. Mm. Well, it's like the classic thing of, um, you know, when you're, you're with a girl and it's like, 
she's clearly upset about something. It's like, mm. we're upset about it. He's like, nothing. No, come on, what are you upset about? Nothing. All right, then. You just yeah, you're on, like, cool, it? no worries. Like, don't worry about it. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. It's mad, isn't it? Um, so what's your what's your journey been like to, you know, getting you to, to Good Lad Initiative and doing what you do now? Like, yeah. what kind of made you want to follow that path? So my thing was, when I was about, when I was about 15, I started taking religion really seriously. Mm. I hate to call it religion. It was Christianity explicitly. Um, and I'd always, like, I'd grown up in a family with my mum and my dad and my three older sisters. Um, and my older sisters are, like, significantly older than me. So my youngest sister is, like, eight years above. Oh, wow, yeah. um, And so it was kind of like having four mums. Yeah. Um, and we all, like, grew up going to church together, except my dad didn't go. Um, I think he went before I was born, but maybe it was my fault. I don't know. But he didn't go to church. Um, and so I had like all of these existing, pre-existing like frameworks around what stuff was and how stuff worked. Um, and when I was like 15, I decided, uh, like I had this really weird experience where I was like, this must be real. Like obviously something's, mm. like there's something that's bigger than who I am. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily controlling, but like you can't ignore it. What sparked that experience? So we, it's weird. I, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I was at like um, at this Christian. So my church was running a summer camp, and yeah. we were at this summer camp. And um, I grew up in like kind of Pentecostal, kind of like evangelical. So it was like a a black church with white leadership, right? Okay. Um, so it was like kind of happy clappy, but not like super gospel, yeah, not yeah. like super like okay. put the money in. The, yeah, it wasn't really like that. Um, but my mum used to, every week used to go to a prayer meeting on a Friday night. And um, she always used to like fall over and cry and do all of this like stuff. And I was like, oh, that stuff will just happen when you're older. And so we were at this camp and um, I was with all my friends, like all my friends were in church. And so one of my friends fell over, like we were singing, we were mm. doing like worship and one of my friends fell over and started crying. And I was like, that's weird. Like, you don't need to fake it, bro. It's chill. And then another person, another person dropped and I was like, what, what's going on? Mm. And I remember like getting nervous, like proper, proper anxious. And I was like, God, whoever you are, like whatever's going on, just don't make me fall <laughs> over. And then eventually like, I, I just, it was like maybe over the space of five minutes, I felt like I couldn't stand up. This yeah. is super like, I'm not in this place anymore, yeah, but like, yeah, yeah, also yeah. I can't pretend this thing didn't happen to me. Um, and so I was down, like I was on the floor for like two hours. I could still, really? wow. I couldn't talk, but I could like look around. I could see what was happening. And like from then I was just like, obviously this is real. Like something is, something is real. And so I spent a lot of time like studying like religion, trying to figure out what the answers were, trying mm. to figure out what was going on. And I already had like a pretty strong framework from growing up in church that made sense until like it didn't make sense anymore. So I um, went to university for a year to do youth and community development because yeah. I always knew I wanted to work with young people. Okay. Um, and then I didn't, I didn't really want to do it. So then after my first year, I dropped out and then went to uh, Bible college. So did my degree in applied theology and youth mm. ministry. Um, and I did that for three years, which was really interesting. I, I can't say I enjoyed it. It was an interesting experience. You, you did the whole three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got I got kicked out in my last year because I was having sex. So it was super <laughs> tense. So like, <laughs> well, this is it. I had this plan, like I'm going to finish university and go to like, go and work in a church and do their youth ministry or whatever. Um, and then that all kind of just fell apart. And I guess after that, um, 
I was trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to do. So I went into a school, I was cover teaching full-time at one school, um, which gave me opportunity to work with kids. Um, but I hated the school environment. Like when I was in school, I didn't like school. Mm. Um, and then seeing behind the veil, like going into the staff room and like being around teachers, like makes you hate kids because everybody's just always pissed off. Like Is someone's <laughs> always done something wrong. Some kids always been an asshole and they always talk about it. Um, and so I was like, I can't stay in this for much longer. So I left and went to an organization that was teaching sex education, um, but like facilitation, um, which was cool, but I didn't really get on with my boss there. Um, and I was there for two years. One of my jobs there was to develop a boys project about being a good man. Okay. So that was the pathway, right? Yeah, like yeah. The story makes sense, but that was the journey. Um, and so I was like, cool, it's really easy. Like I'm a youth worker, I've been doing this. I know how to do it. And then I started researching. I was like, shoot, like all of these people are telling me I need to take boys into the forest and make them chop down trees for them <laughs> to become men. And that was also for me, that was never my experience of like what mm. was modeled to me as masculinity. Mm. So it just didn't make any sense. Um, and I found a good, good lad initiative, which at the time was the great initiative. Um, and I met with my now colleague, a guy called David Brockway, who was managing the Great Men Project at the time, um, which is a school's work project. And so he was like talking me through the stuff that they do. He was like, do you know what? You might as well come to training um, mm. just so you can see the stuff. And I was like, yeah, cool, no problem. So I went and I was like, I'm going to steal all the resources. It will be <laughs> sick. Like I'm going to get all this stuff. Um, and I had like the best experience. Yeah. Like it was my first time ever being in a room of like, 15 guys where everyone's talking about how they feel, what they feel yeah, yeah. about masculinity. And I'd never been in that environment before. Um, and so it was like a two day training and it was like really deep diving, talking about a lot of stuff that I hadn't ever heard of. So like talking about intersectionality and like mm. feminist theory and like all of these bits of identity that I didn't know existed. And for me, like I always talk about something that I learned about last year in psychotherapy called highest context marker um which is like that basically the lens that you see the world through so whatever your main issue is is how you see the world yeah and for me my thing was always race and gender never played into that um and i think around that time i was like oh wow my sisters have all had a really different experience to me like they never feel safe walking down the road after like eight o'clock in the evening or like they'll always ask someone to come and meet them at the station and for me i'm like I'm free, like I do what I want. I go where I want whenever I feel like it. Um, and it was just an introduction to this whole new framework of like how messed up the world is and how mm. unfair it is for certain groups of people. Um, and so after that, I started, like basically I went to steal the resources and then I was like, this is much better than it's anything I'm going to make up by myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I started volunteering while I was at my last job. And then a job came up, um, which was coordinating the Imagine Project in England. So it was like a European project okay. with an organization called Emancipator and one called MAN, which are in Sweden and mm. the Netherlands. Um, and it was around sexual harassment, sexual violence. And so I applied for it and I got it. And then that's where I am now. Yeah. Um, so we did that project for two years, which was really cool. We had a big like conference at yeah. the end of it um, and released like a toolkit for people to use to have these conversations. Um, and now I'm doing facilitation and training yeah um which is dope yeah it's amazing man i think it's like it's such a place now isn't it in the world for like these conversations really really need to start happening Bro. and the fact they're happening you know in, in organizations like 
like the one you're at, it's so powerful, man. Yeah. Especially, you know, you look at, you know, last year or end of 2017 with the whole Me Too movement started and yeah. all of that. And have you seen the, the Gillette? Yeah, 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 yeah. What did you make of that? So oh, let me explain. So the Gillette advert that's just come out recently is they've kind of backtracked on everything they've always been about. It's always been like, <laughs> no, but in, in a good yeah. way. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, they've gone, actually, like, we can't keep doing this. Yeah. So they've always been like, you know, Gillette, the best a man can get. And, you know, macho. I mean, to be fair, it's probably like one of the most macho products yeah. ever. Like a razor and a drill were probably like two of the most macho. Yeah. Things. You can't you, really get more masculine than that. Exactly. Yeah. So part, partly it's their fault, partly it's not because it's the, it's the product. Yeah. Like you can't help that. Um, but they've obviously always been Gillette the best man can get and you know macho kind of image and they've kind of completely just gone back on it and they've released this advert which is about the the best a man can be yeah. or being the best a man can be or something and it's got loads of footage of like the Me Too movement and you know unpackaging like you know everything they've ever sort of yeah. advertised basically literally going through yeah. it all and being yeah. like no we take that back we take that yeah, back yeah. we take that back so what did you think of it? so we wrote like um we wrote something as an organization for the independent. Mm. Um, and we sat down and like really spoke about that advert, really thought through it. And my personal opinion is like, I love that advert. Mm. I think it's amazing. I think it's important and I think it's timely. Um, but what I, like my opinion is like, that's not, it's not the answer to the problem. Yeah. Um, and I think like we, we, at the moment, it feels like culture is moving very much towards like this self-help culture where like you can just tell someone the answers and then they can figure it out. Um, and I think like Gillette have done in terms of reinforcing those negative stereotypes over the years, they've done a lot of damage, right? Like they've, they've reinforced a lot of crap mm. that like all of us now carry subliminally because yeah. we saw the adverts when we were like eight years old. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the woman who runs, who who directed the advert is the same woman that did the This Girl Can campaign. So the, okay, the yeah, one yeah. about women exercising. Yeah. Um, and she's dope. Like she she makes great adverts. Um, I really liked it, but I think it's, it's the first step in a long yeah. journey for Gillette as an organization. What I would love to see is like them taking accountability for like what they've done not even what they've done, but like who they are, who they are mm. in the world and like moving more towards, like I, I heard that they were given, like they have like a million dollars yeah, that they're so giving to, to different organizations, yeah. um, which is dope, right? Like that's the stuff that really matters. Mm. Um, and I think the work, the work is already being done um, and there are loads of different groups of people doing it. So it would be cool to see them supporting that work, but like really supporting that work um, rather than just like, in a tokenistic way. Um, but the advert's dope. Like I can't, yeah. flo I can't fault it. It's a great I mean? ad. It's a yeah. great ad. But you know, I agree with you. I think it's a great starting point yeah, for, yeah, not yeah, just yeah. For, for Gillette, you know, but for, for, for every kind of big company, it's a really good starting point. And it's like, okay, but how's it going to continue? Yeah, what Where's, do we do now? Yeah. Where do we keep going from this? Like, is it, and it, I think the fact that it is becoming such a conversation means it's not going to be a fad. It's not going to come yeah. and go. It's not going to be like, you know, I'm trying to think of another fad that's happened in that kind of space, but I can't. But you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. something that's calm and gone and then it's like, what's the next thing? This yeah, is like, yeah, a, yeah. this is actual like real life thing. This isn't like a... Just a just a bandwagon to exactly, jump on. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
But people were upset, bro. Yeah, I know. Have you seen, did you see the reactions? Kind of. I, can't, I always oh kind of gosh. stay away from that. I spent like two hours, because it's my job, right? So yeah. like I spent like two hours like just going through Gillette's YouTube, uh, um, Twitter, yeah. and like looking at the responses to the advert. And people are like, I'm never using it again. Like I'm never using yeah. your products again. You've lost customers, blah, 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 blah. But same, the same thing that they did with the Nike thing, right? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, the Kaepernick right. thing. Um, and I think... I, what I find really interesting about that is like how fragile masculinity as a concept is in that like all you have to say is like maybe we shouldn't say boys will be boys and mm. let our sons beat each other up and then people are like ah oh, this is bullshit I'm not listening to this you're mm. feminist this is terrible um, and I think that is like what's, that, that's, that to me is the stuff that's scary like that's the stuff that I think actually needs to change in the world. Yeah, like um, massively. Because that's that's where most of the damage is done. Like that hundred percent from that very 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 young age. Like yeah. you know, there is that bit in the Gillette advert where there's the two boys fighting, and yeah. like all the dads are watching doing boys their barbecue, will be boys will be boys and they're like, boys so will be boys. and then one of them's just like, nah, nah. Then we need to pull this apart. And he's, yeah, yeah, he yeah. says like, that's not how we treat each other or something yeah. like that. And it's like that's what should be happening. Yeah, I mean it. It does. Don't get me wrong. It's not like you know there's eight-year-old kids just having fights everywhere yeah but it's just a massive part of the conversation isn't it from yeah. that early stage and what's dope about it is that like essentially so if we look at like so like you know they had loads of the me too stuff in there mm. right um and like for example sexual violence or sexual harassment statistics are through the roof on the side of men right yeah. it's not really women like not to say that no women do that because women do but like it's statistically it's men. like yeah it's almost pointless talking about it because there are so many and also it's not even the majority of men it's actually a minority of men who are doing that yeah but like we live in a culture where as men we don't do anything to stop it yeah and so that's why it happens so much um but i think what is what is good is like seeing that they are directly challenging that and i guess hopefully something will come out of it like hopefully it will be because I think culture has to shift. That's mm. the point that we're at now. We're at like tipping point where like something has to change because men are like dying and killing other people mm. like at, at an alarming rate. And so for that to be fixed, like we have to change something in the way that we're talking about men or we're talking to men, we're talking to boys, what we're teaching them about masculinity because the, the byproducts are shit. Like the byproducts yeah. are like overwhelmingly crap. So... Yeah. yeah something has to change but I'm glad to see that they did it I'm yeah. glad that like if it's like a little bit it feels like people are just jumping on a bandwagon but like it's better to be on the bandwagon than to not yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean like it's even like, if you're not the originators yeah. it's better to it's like like we said it's now like can you make the change happen yeah. within your own culture yeah. of the company um, but let's let's so I want to kind of like unpackage and kind of break down masculinity a little bit yeah um, masculinity and then toxic masculinity which is yeah. like the hot the hot term for Everybody's like 2018-2019 <laughs> season um, so masculinity yeah from my my perspective I would say that like masculinity is like all the stuff like like I said you know as a, as a kid it's like you, you have to be strong you can't show your emotions yeah you know boys will be boys you know being sporty active yeah. like you know all that kind of the go-getter the you got to be the, the one who's secure and owns the money and, and all those kind of really stereotypical things. Mm. Um, but through, I guess, kind of like your workshops and the work that you've been doing, like what are the main kind of trends, I guess, that come up in that description of what masculinity 
Yeah. It not is, but um, we're told that masculine, being masculine is right. about. So I guess um, for me, like the important starting points are like masculinity or my, the way I understand it, it's a social construct. Mm. So it's not like an actual thing. It's something that like people have told us exists. Um, and it's an exclusive club. So you're either in or you're out, right? Yeah. Like that's why we have alpha males and beta males yeah. because somebody's decided that like there are men who are really men and then there are like these other men who are not really men. Yeah. Um, and I guess the distinction is between like those characteristics that you were talking about. So things like um, being strong, being brave, being courageous, being powerful, being dominant, um, I would say being straight is in there. Like, I think when we look at like what we have as a culture mm. around masculinity, like the people that we herald as heroes are not gay. They're not like yeah, yeah, yeah. bi. They, they are like, I fuck women. I do this. And mm. um, I think it's a lot to do with not, I would say not showing emotion, but it's almost like not having emotions. Yeah. Um, where it's like, to, to the extent where like, we look at like people like Luther, right? Like that guy doesn't feel anything. Like he, it's, it's not like, like he's not like out here, like really getting upset or like, re, like he's just plowing through, like yeah. doing what needs to be done. Um, I think there's something about like being competent, being smart, being, um, being a provider is a yeah. massive thing. That fixing and, things is another yeah. one, isn't it? And I think one of the interesting ones is like, how masculinity relates to women. Um, and I think there's like expectation on men to like have women, be able to get women, be able to get more than one woman at the same time. Um, and then that manifests in different ways because then there's like this expectation. So like, you know, the hashtag um, black men don't cheat. Mm. Like, I think that's like satire about what we perceive as masculinity and like that expectation of men to be like players and to cheat and, but men to be like uh, players and to cheat on their partners yeah. and to have multiple partners, do all of that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, I guess there's, there's a bunch of stuff around like emotional literacy that is very limiting. I think that's the, that's the weird thing about masculinity as a concept is that it's, it's very, very limiting as opposed to like, the construct of femininity, mm. which seems to be very open. Yeah. It seems to be more be like, like fluid. And yeah. Like... You could, you can basically do what you want. You just can't be a man. Whereas masculinity is like more like you cannot do this and this and this and this and this. So you can't cry. You can't express emotion. You can't be gay. You can't act like a woman. You can't um, talk about your feelings. You mm. can't like give people hugs. Like they're, they're, there's loads of weird things. Um, like I love hugging. I yeah, feel like same. hugs are like the, the best feeling I'm in the world. I'm a big hugger, yeah. Um, but like under, and that's not to say men don't hug, right? Like it's not to say men don't do any of those things, but there are very strict rules yeah. and also like masculinity polices itself. So like there's like often when you do that kind of thing, um, like my experience recently has been like, like I said earlier, trying to push those conversations yeah. is like other men will very often like try and shut it down as quickly as possible because that's not what we do. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's what masculinity looks like. It's interesting because you were saying about um, the difference with like femininity, how it's so open and this and that. Yeah. And masculinity is, is seen as this like shut off. Like I like the way you put it as like, it's like a club, like an exclusive yeah, yeah, club. Yeah. And I feel like I got, so actually I got stopped right in the street 
about two months ago mm. our camera crew I was outside uh, where I was working there was this camera crew and they were like do you mind if we ask you some questions I was like yeah cool cool and they were no like worries. what's what what does uh how would you describe femininity Ooh. so I was like oh put me on the spot they didn't warn me I was <laughs> like put me on the spot so I was like you know being open being vulnerable being honest like in touch with your feelings and yourself and being and it just reeled off a list of stuff yeah like you know i think it's about 10 things in literally just off the top of my head and then they were like and how would you describe masculinity and i just looked at her and i went the same as oh controversial yeah. and she yeah. looked at me she was like yeah and i was like yeah i feel like you know <laughs> why like, why just ruined the question yeah why can't <laughs> men be like that yeah and she was like she didn't know what to say she was yeah, like yeah. so it even like stumped her a little bit because she was expecting me to be like strong and you know all the cliches we said yeah Yeah. lads 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 football beer yeah yeah, yeah, girls um and i was just like i just it just it just because as i said the feminine like stuff i was like but this is how i am yeah yeah yeah, yeah, this is how i am and then i said when she was like what does masculinity mean i was like well it should be the same i said all of the above it should be the same right Mm. and i feel like the fact we even package it as masculinity and femininity is a problem within itself because it's like why can't girls be strong and yeah. all the stuff that is a, a supposedly masculine? And why can't the guys be all the things that are supposedly feminine? We're like, we're one race of people. Yeah. Like, why can't we all be all of it? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's like very, very interesting. Um, and I think that's why these conversations are powerful. Yeah. Um, but I want to I wanna slip into... Um, toxic masculinity okay. and what that is because this is this is becoming like the, the the trend this is like the new all men are trash i feel in the pressure now yeah, yeah. no me too um because basically i i basically i tweeted something recently and i got a bit of a backlash from it not oh. massive but like a tiny bit that's your decision yeah, yeah. Tweet it. <laughs> yeah no but do you know what because i keep seeing like i don't want to like pin the blame on people because i obviously i completely understand it but my point of view is like Everyone keeps attacking guys for having toxic masculinity and blaming toxic masculinity for stuff. Yeah. Like all of the bad stuff, yeah, you yeah. know, and rightly so. But my thing was, is we're all blaming toxic masculinity for things, but no one's actually asking where and why the toxic masculinity exists. Right. We're only looking at it from that surface level. Yeah. So I, I tweeted it, not in as many words, but in that kind of thing. And it was just, I had so many people like, oh, bye toxic masculinity do you mean like the patriarchy of the system and then i had other people and i was just like no i mean like i get what toxic masculinity is like i fully understand it and i fully you know you know i've guy most guys exude some level of toxic masculinity but the conversation we need to have is not like blaming people for toxic masculinity but actually going well where is it coming from and why and how can we how do we fix how do we fix yeah yeah or uh, like unpackage it to repackage it um so like can you you know from you've probably got more experience in terms of speaking to people about it explain what the idea of toxic masculinity is right and why it kind of um is being blamed for a lot of stuff okay so i did i did um i did a ted talk earlier or at the end of last year and um I had a really weird experience because it was my first time being trolled on Twitter. Really? And it was really tiny. It was like six people yeah. who like, the talk hadn't been released. So basically like, I tweeted a picture of like backstage at the talk and been like, um, I think I said something like I'm getting, I'm getting my makeup done or something because mm. I was in the makeup room yeah, yeah, and yeah. the woman just like did, um, 
like an eyebrow brush for me. But she was like, you don't need any foundation, it's fine. Mm. I was like, cool. Um, and someone tweeted saying like, get back in your feminist box or so, oh, like some like sent yeah. a gif of a dog patting a dog said good boy or something yeah. and I was like I don't understand like where this is coming from and what I've done to mm. like like get this response and then they started talking about toxic masculinity and they were like surely like you going into schools and telling boys about toxic masculinity is bad for their mental health and you're telling men that they're toxic and that's really bad and you shouldn't be doing that and I was like bro like I never used the phrase like in, so in my talk right the only Bearing in mind, they hadn't seen the talk, but the only time I said toxic masculinity was when I said, we need to stop having the same conversations about masculinity that we've always been having about how toxic it is. Mm. Um, and I'm personally, I'm not really a fan of the phrase yeah, because I feel like, not. I feel like one is too ambiguous. Like no one really knows what we're talking about when we're talking about toxic masculinity. Yeah. Um, two, it feels like it's way too close to masculinity. Like it doesn't feel like there's much of a difference because there's no conversation about celebrating masculinity yeah. so there's no conversation about like positive masculinities yeah. so therefore when we're talking about toxic masculinity we're essentially just talking about masculinity um and also like i find i find the age of accountability really weird um as a as a concept like i think at what point do you become guilty of like perpetuating something when that's all you've ever known and you've never been taught anything different um and personally, I think like the hardest work is like reimagining something. It's really easy to like critique stuff and say, this is shit because of this, or this is the problem with this. But it's really hard to like actually create or develop something that's new. Um, and so when we're talking about toxic masculinity, I would say essentially it's like the product of, so you said the patriarchy, right? Like it is a product of patriarchy in that patriarchy says, this is what men are and this is how they're supposed to behave. Mm. And a lot of the stuff that's been passed down to us is just bullshit. Like it's just actually trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And objectively, like when you look at it, like you probably don't even want it for your own life. So we look at masculinity and we say, all right, how are men supposed to act towards other men? Um, and you're allowed to be friends. You're not allowed to like be tactile unless you're playing sport and then you're allowed to slap people on the bum. But that's about as far <laughs> yeah, as it yeah, goes. Yeah. Um, and you should always be trying to be dominant and you should always be trying to win. You should always be trying to be stronger or better. So therefore everything's competitive. And that means that you end up punching guys in the face for some weird reason. Um, and so I think there's a lot of stuff around masculinity. Like when we look at how we relate to women, it's a lot to do with like being, do again, being dominant, again, like, being the strongest or being the best or proving that you're the best. And therefore like you go for a trophy wife, you have the most mm. attractive girl on your arm at any given time or girls, plural. Um, and it's, it's very, it's not so much to do with like, I think, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm rambling, but this is what I think about toxic masculinity is I think toxic masculinity is toxic because the focus is on the outcome rather than the impact. Yeah. So, so you're focusing on like looking a certain way or presenting as a certain thing. And there's no focus on what that does in the world or like what are the, what are the repercussions of your actions for other people? Yeah. And I think that's the, the thing that's toxic about it is that it's just very selfish. Um, and I think if you think about, 
if we think about ourselves and the way we present in a way that's not selfish, we don't end up with that product because I, I also don't think there are very many people in the world. I do think there are some, but I don't think there are very many people in the world who actually want to be horrible people to other people. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's about interrogating like what the dissonance is there. Like where, why is there such a massive difference between um, what you want to be and what you are? Um, and I guess the, the the toxicity of it, is that even a word? But the toxic part of it is like the part that's like, screw everybody else. Like I'm going to do what I need to do because I'm a man and the responsibility is on me to do what needs to be done. Mm. Um, and I, I just think it's dangerous. Like I don't, I don't, I don't talk about it. Like I never talk about it in a session unless it's to like say, what do you guys think about this? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wouldn't use it as like a construct to understand anything. I'd rather talk about um, like masculinity and what, what we perceive, like collectively, what do we think masculinity is? Mm. And by and large, that tends to be what people would say toxic masculinity is anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think the hard thing is to like name or list like what the good bits of masculinity are. Um, I, I struggle with it. Like I mm. think, what, what, is the, what are the actual good things about being a guy? Um, <laughs> and I like being a guy, yeah, right? Like yeah. I like being, or feeling masculine or being masculine. But I think... There's so, and it's like we invent new words. Like the other day I saw Meggins. Like, Meggins. so male leggings, because okay. men for some reason can't wear leggings. Like we have to have a new gendered term for okay, it. Okay, right, yeah, yeah. Um, Those are my thoughts. Like I, I, I really don't, it just makes me uncomfortable, the term. Yeah. Um, And right. I think there's so, there's such a like, conv like a, a, like a narrative in social media, particularly about toxic masculinity, where it, it's basically, and also rightfully, like a lot of women who are angry because they've had to live their lives under like the oppression of this shit that they're getting from, yeah, exactly. from men. And so they're pissed off about it and they need words to describe what it is they're talking about. Um, and so I get it and I would never tell anybody that they can't talk about it, but I wouldn't talk about it because I don't think it's helpful in the dialogue. Yeah. And also I feel like you said it's a bit of a, not a broken term, but I feel like it hasn't got a actual definition. Yeah. There is like, I can understand the kind of um, what it is and the kind of repercussions of it. But like you said, it's basically you, masculinity. Yeah. It's not, there's not like a difference between what masculinity is perceived as to what toxic masculinity is being perceived as. Yeah. And I feel like for me, the, 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 the problem of it is people are just throwing the term out way too loosely. Yeah. Like, and it, and it gets a lot of people's back up as well because it's like, it's it's not like we have a we're having a choice about it. It's not yeah. like an on off button, and we're choosing to have these moments of you know so called toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's just it is the way that we've been you know brought up by society through the system through all these you know dumb cliches of yeah. you know the boys will be boys example again. It's like you know it's not something that we've chosen to grow up understanding or believing or you know not even believing but like being yeah do you know what i mean and it's i mean that's that that's the that's the unfortunate side of it is is that we're kind of now being it's being thrown in our face yeah like yeah toxic masculine but it's like yeah but i haven't chosen to be like this like yeah leave like and I, like i think th this is where i where i i think it's tough it's a tough conversation is because it's hard to explain to like the 13 year old boy who who has been taught by his parents and not just his dad, like it's men and women who perpetuate these 
things like who perpetuate toxic masculinity mm. like you learn about it as much from men as you do from women or as much from women as you do from men um like i've had experiences where like i didn't want to have sex mm. and like a girl would be like you're a pussy like what are you doing like or whatever <laughs> yeah. do you know what i mean so i think it's hard to explain to a 13 year old when they've been taught by both of their parents that like, if someone's hit them, they're not allowed to come back home until they've beaten that person up, yeah. that they are now toxic. And and I think it's hard on two counts because one, they are, like that's a toxic behavior. So it's not the person that's toxic, but like attaching the phrase to it, then gives someone the feeling that you're saying they are a bad person. They're a horrible person. Mm. Um, and people do horrible things. And th like I said, there are, are some people who are probably horrible people. Yeah. But I think for the majority of us, like we just don't want to feel like, it's the same as like with racism. Like it's really hard to tell white people that they are racist because the connotation of the word is like, you're a horrible person. And it's not necessarily that that person's being malicious or yeah, doing yeah. something that's intentionally horrible to hurt you, but like the impact of it is still a negative one. Yeah. So they're still part of the structure or the system that's hurting you. Mm. Um, and so I think in the same way with women talking about toxic masculinity, there's, there's a lot of pain there and there's a lot of hurt there that like as men, we don't experience, we don't understand. And so... When, when dealing with it, like I feel like we have to be super careful. And I also think you have to, like one of the things when we did the workshop was like the first thing we did was like defining what we're talking about. Yeah. Like defining terms so that when we're using phrases, we're all talking about the same thing. Mm. Because for one person, when they're talking about toxic masculinity, they're talking about a certain set of behaviours. And for another person, they're talking about all men. And for another person, they're talking about some men or men in their life. And for another person, they're talking about a completely different set of behaviours. Yeah. And so I think it's just important like just use your words and like use the actual words of what it is that you're trying to talk yeah. about and i think do you know what the other thing is it's just just remembered now is like the use of the term and the kind of negative connotations to it is like for me there's a big problem with it in the sense that on paper right you're saying you know guys have everything yeah way better than women and you know in many many cases we do don't get me wrong but it's like that can also, by throwing that in people's faces, that can also cause damage to the guys. Because me, for example, right? A white guy in living in London, yeah. good family, all this <laughs> stuff. On paper, my life's great yeah. compared to, you know, what, you know, that that's like the the, the top of the, the, the so-called chain. Yeah. But then if that's the case, why have I been through such a misery in my life in yeah. anxiety and depression and all of that stuff? So it's yeah. like, it's just the thing that's on paper and in people's view of society. It's not necessarily the case in terms of like person to person. Yeah. And I feel like that's where it can be really damaging is that you can use this term of toxic masculinity or masculinity and throw it in people's faces and tell them about all the advantages in life that guys have got over women and all, you know, white people have over like everyone else or whatever it may be. But ultimately it, it's, it should be case person to person because like I said, on paper, my life, yeah should be great and yeah. there's been a long long period of my life where it hasn't and that's where for me it becomes a big problem yeah because the more that then gets forced back into you then then you're sitting there thinking like yeah but why like but my life should be great like why isn't my life great and it sends you on this like weird spiral yeah yeah and yeah. that's that's for me where it, where it can become super damaging um yeah that's where i think the clarity needs to be there and it's like a term that hopefully gets left in the early part yeah, of the year. But the conversation, yeah, the conversations around it need to continue yeah. without a doubt.
but in a more constructive way. Yeah. I feel like throwing out terms and I, just, I had the same issue with like the all men are trash thing from like two years ago. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. well, really all men aren't trash because that's that's not how it works. Um, and it's just like people throw these terms around and it's like, it's like a, again, it's a bandwagon-y thing. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, obviously it does exist, but it's like, it's not applicable to, to everyone. And it's like the conversation should be, how do we then resolve it? How do we make yeah. it better? How do we make it constructive rather than just using it as like a negative term you can, to dismiss someone or something. Yeah. I think mean, that's way more important. Yeah. I think, I think the hard thing is again, like we don't, we don't define what we're talking about. And I think also like people jump into conversations without a framework for understanding what it is that people are talking about. So like, um, for example, like there are, there are, the reality is there are structures and systems that exist in the world yeah. that prioritize certain groups of people and therefore oppress other groups of people. So like white supremacy is a thing. Please don't at me. Um, <laughs> patriarchy is a thing. Yeah. Race, racism is a thing. Yeah. Um, like capitalism and imperialism are both things that exist. And so when we're talking about, about the byproducts of those things or how those things work themselves out in the world, if we ignore the structures and the systems that exist, mm. then the conversation gets super cloudy and it, it becomes hard to like keep up with what people are saying. Um, and so when we're talking about like masculinity, toxic masculinity, to talk about that without having a conversation about patriarchy is, is almost redundant. Yeah. Um, but then I also think like the hard thing, the hard thing I think is for, for men who feel offended by like people, like I, th I think everybody feels offended when they're confronted with like the, the harm that they've caused other people. Yeah. Um, and I know I feel hurt. Like I feel upset. I don't like that feeling. Um, so like when women have told me that I'm trash, like the reality 97% of the time is that I have been trash. Mm. Um, and I have done things that have had really negative consequences or really hurt people. Um, but then I also think like women don't owe it to men to explain that in a way where it's comfortable for us. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because we're not the people that have dealt with. And also in some ways like we are, like some ways masculinity is shit for men as well and mm. like it's a lot of pressure for us and like we bully each other and we beat each other up and we do masculinity to each other but it's not the it's not the responsibility of the person who's the victim in the situation to make the person who's oppressing them understand why it's wrong um that work has to be done by men but i think that's why it's important that we have those spaces yeah. where like it's men talking to men and like we can all sit down and like explore it together and come up with what it is that's a problem and then also i think there's a there's a whole nother layer of the conversation which is that men are not socialized to learn from women or be taught by women yeah so we're not socialized because we're meant to dominate them so when they're trying to explain stuff to us we're like now nah, shut up you're an idiot you don't understand mm. um and so it's really hard for them to articulate what the damage is or what the hurt is um i think it's all just messy um and I'm not, I'm not like, one of my things is like, I'm not mad at women for like talking about toxic masculinity because yeah, I feel like they need to talk about it. But I think also there are, there are constructive conversations that need to happen outside of that space. Yeah. And in, uh, some of it needs to be men holding men accountable for like yeah, the stuff that we're doing. I think that's like one of the most important parts, isn't it? Is like when you see your mate being a bit of a dick to a girl yeah. or like being inappropriate, it's like call them out on it or stop yeah, them yeah, from yeah, doing 100%. it. Like, that's, in fact that's probably where most of the work needs to be done isn't it yeah. because it's that that like peer-to-peer -peer level in a yeah. way 
Um, but yeah, so you mentioned your TED Talk. Oh, yes. Um, tell me a bit about that. How did that come about? And yeah, how was it? So, do you know, I don't actually know. Um, I've heard two separate stories of like different people from Good Lad that put me in touch yeah. with the person who asked me to do the talk. But I was just like working one day and I got a, like a, a cold email from TEDx London Women oh, really? saying, will you come and do this talk? Um, and I was like, yeah, I will. Um, but it was, a, it was a really cool experience. Um, and like, firstly, shout out the TEDx London Women team because they are dope. Like they, mm. they were so supportive, so helpful. And like, I was, I was like, in the preparation stages, I was struggling a little bit. So, and they really helped. Um, but it was a dope event. I was the only man on the lineup, which was interesting. Really, really, really interesting. So I felt like I was like talking for every single man <laughs> yeah, in the world, which pressure. was like intense. Was there a lot of guys in the audience? Or nah. was it mainly women? Like, you, so it was a weird experience because you can't see, like you can't, when you're on the stage talking, you can't see any, it's like a sea of darkness. Yeah. Um, but afterwards, I think I might've seen like, somewhere between six and 10 guys wow. um, and everybody else were were women yeah. or was women. Everybody else were, all of the rest of the people were women. That's yeah. the sentence I'm looking for. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it was dope, man. I was super nervous. Um, I don't really get nervous at, at things, particularly at like speaking because yeah. it's my job and I do it all the time, but it's very different like being on a stage um, and I haven't felt like that nervous since I was like 17. Mm. Um, but it was, a, yeah, it was a really cool opportunity, um, particularly because I think like for Good Lad as an organisation, they have a really unique approach to talking about masculinity, which is like, let's unpick it and rebuild it and look at like what it is that we want it to be um, and try to like talk about positive masculinities. So like whether that's like us calling out our friends or that's like, men looking after themselves, like doing self-care, going to the doctors, taking a bath, like because they want to relax rather mm. than because they need to like be clean. Um, and like looking after our mental health and all of that kind of stuff. I feel like those are conversations that are like not very, not, not really on the radar yeah. um, for men. And then when you look at the statistics, right? Like suicide is the lead killer of men under the age of 55. That's like, it's bruv, mad. that's a, a hench. It's like mad. 15 and 55 is it's a big Absolutely massive. That's like everyone. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's crazy that like the conversations are still so far behind when we can see the symptoms and the consequences so clearly. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, the TED Talk was a, a really, a really cool opportunity to talk about like what we do as an organisation mm. um, and to throw some of my like personal experiences. Yeah. Do you know, there. I love the title of it. I don't know if you gave it a title or whether they did, but it was uh, Boys Won't Be Boys, Boys mm. Will Be What We Teach Them. Yeah. I think it's just like... Yeah, so on point. Yeah, it was, it was really, really, really interesting talk. And that straight you, away, I watched him. I was like, right, I need to hit up Ben because uh, <laughs> I was like, we need to talk about this because ten minutes isn't long enough. Yeah, I think mean, yeah, I said yeah. that to you. I was like, ten minutes is not long enough for that conversation. Yeah. Um. Again, good like entry point, and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. getting those conversations started more and more. And it's like something I'm really big on. It's like I joke to um to one of my friends. I'm a a minimist. Yeah. I don't know if that's a proper word. I don't or not. know if that exists. I don't but think that's it is. Fine. But <laughs> like I always joke about it. It's like I'm getting really protective over guys because, like, we're getting, rightly so, getting a lot of slack at the minute. But yeah. it's like also there's a lot of damage that's being done within guys, like the suicide thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. most people who are um, in prison are men. Like yeah. most people who, who, who die on the streets through, like, you know, knife crime or gun crime are men. So it's yeah. like there's still a lot of stuff that guys aren't like, you know, it's not all rosy, basically. Yeah. Just and because you're a guy. This is the thing is like, 
<laughs> in my in the talk, I was like, one of the big one-liners was like, patriarchy is shit for everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that we're in we're in a position, like as men, we're in a position where like we get the good end of the deal, but the deal is a shit deal. Yeah, like it's actually trash for everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so like we get we get like to be the people in the boardrooms and we get to be the CEOs, but the result is that we're still killing ourselves. Yeah. And and it, it's hard to talk about it without, I think it's a really hard thing to talk about without minimizing the damage that is being done to women. Like women are disproportionately screwed over mm. and, and it's very unfair. Yeah. Um, and then you have to hold that intention with like, also this is not great for anyone. Um, and I think that's why it needs to change because like everybody's being screwed, like everybody's getting messed up. Mm. Um, and like, and, and it's resolvable, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's so like, if all you have to do is like understand your behaviors and change them, like we can all do that. Mm. Um, and, it, and it doesn't have to be the way that it is, do you mm. know what I mean? I think that's years of undoing them. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's, it's a, like a lifelong process, yeah, lifelong journey. Massively. Um, how, how's the feedback been to the talk? Yeah, it's been good. Um, it's been, like I'm, one of my things is like I'm trying not to like look at what what's being said about it too much, yeah, yeah. Um, but it gets like it gets a lot of retweets. I've got a lot of love on like Instagram and Facebook, and it's had like a bunch of views. I'm I'm not like privy Obsessing to the totals, yeah. Like, I'm not like refreshing it, um, <laughs> but people are watching it, and I think like you said, like my thing is like I want it to be I wanted it to be accessible, and I wanted it to be a conversation starter. Like the best bit of feedback I had was. Um, a girl I know messaged me and said they had shown it to one of their boys in school mm. and the boy had really opened up in the conversation. Wow. And then she showed it to her head of year and he was like, we need these people at our school. And to me, like, that's the stuff that matters. Like, it's not so much, like, getting loads of views on YouTube is nice, but, like, the stuff that actually, like, the, someone watching that video is not going to change their life because they still haven't had the opportunity to, like, unpack their own shit mm. and like look through their own experience of masculinity and that stuff takes time and space do you know what I mean like even in the session we did it wasn't long enough no, no, no. Um, and there's so like when you think about your experience of masculinity and where you're getting this stuff from like it's like years and years and years of like stuff that you've consumed in media and have you even of, noticed you're consuming that's bro, the scary like, thing like you see like what is it? I think it's like 3000 adverts a day. And it's like, I don't know what the algorithm is, but it's every so often on Instagram, like every like eight scrolls, six scrolls, 12 scrolls, you see an advert. Yeah. And like, you don't even pay attention to what that is, but like it's sending you messages that you're holding. Um, and then also you think about like your relationships with your parents or like your carers, what you've learned from the men in your life, what you've learned from the women in your life about what is expected of you. And you can't unpack that stuff in like mm. a three hour session or an hour and a half, hour and 20 minutes. Um, that takes like a long time. So like I'm one of like, my thing is like, I'm as committed as I can be to like actually journeying with people through that process yeah. and giving them the time and space to like unpack that stuff. Yeah. And what, what kind of really practical uh, tips or tools would you, give to someone who wants to start unpacking that stuff is there like a process that people would follow or is there like you, you know give someone some you know practices to do or how would it work um so i would say come and volunteer with us for one <laughs> as a plug but i think like honestly like my experience of this has been the the place that i've grown the most in this area has been like um working 
with these people, with this group of people, even before it was my job, like just being around people who are talking about it, who are actively doing the work. I would say, if you can find a therapist, um, therapy is expensive, but like it's worthy. And like, I'm sure we all spend a hundred pounds a month on other stuff. Um, so I would say that's a good way to, to go about it. Find a good therapist, not just any therapist. I would say um, there's like, I don't really learn I don't retain a lot of information through reading, but I think there are really good books that you can read. So like you can read stuff by like, um, I think Bell Hooks has got a book called The Will to Change, which I've really enjoyed. Um, there's like a bunch of stuff by like, I don't want to name authors because I know that like people have really different opinions on, yeah, on yeah. people, but like Grace and Perry, for example, has got a really good book out called The Descent of Man, which is cool. Um, I think there's some really good books we can be reading. Mm. There's one um, by... Uh, Lewis Howes called Mask of Masculinity yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Read that. yeah I haven't read it it's but amazing. I've heard about it from some of really the volunteers um, maybe I'll post a reading list after this yeah, that yeah, would be yeah. useful or I'll send it to you and you can post yeah, it okay. <laughs> um, but I think I think also like self care is a radical act that's one of the things I always say in training like actually like as a man like actually stopping and taking time to look after yourself, whether that's your physical health or your mental health, like making time and space to like be okay is like one of the most radical things you can do as a man. Um, and I think practically, like there are changes you can make in your lifestyle that will like open your eyes to stuff. So if one thing, for example, is like, if you live with women, like commit to like doing an equal amount of like household chores, Mm. Um, like commit to like cleaning the bath after you use it commit yeah. to like washing your plates after you use them or washing up after dinner or like do a rota where like one person cooks and the other person cleans or whatever um, like iron your own clothes make your own bed like wash your own stuff yeah, yeah. Um, I think all of that stuff is like um, that my, one of the things I've realised from doing this work is there's a lot of like unpaid labour that women do because they're expected to yeah, do yeah, it yeah 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 um, massively and and as men, it's not even that we are doing that maliciously. A lot of the time, like in my experience, it was that I wasn't conscious of what was going on. Um, and so I think, like I'm a big man and my mum still has to tell me to like hoover my floor. Do you know what I mean? Like, and stuff like that I can just do um, to, as a way of like understanding what somebody else's experience is like sometimes. Um, and then, yeah, I think also like, try and do the thing where you like actually talk to your friends about how you're genuinely feeling. Mm. Um, and try and push yourself. Like the words are hard, but like even just to describe the feeling, push yourself to like actually describe what it is that you're feeling in any given moment. Um, I think all of those things are like good starting points, but definitely come to training because it's really fun. Mm. And there are loads of guys who are like trying to figure this stuff out together. And I think it's all about conversations yeah. and, and conversations that lead to change in, in behavior, uh, change of action. Um, so I think those are like some things that people can do. Um, and I'm sure there's loads more. Mm. Maybe like, maybe we can compile a list of things. Yeah, that that'd be quite good actually. And, yeah. We should do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on um, talking about feelings, I'm going to start with one now. I'm feeling yeah. grateful for this conversation. Ah, it's, been, it's been amazing. And I've got last few questions. Yeah, go for it. Um, so first of all, obviously the podcast is called Dreamer's Disease. Mm -hmm. So to you, what does Dreamer's Disease mean? Oh, what does dreamer's disease mean to me? Um, so I, I, I did a podcast with my Swazi Makali, shout out Swa. Um, uh, I'm working on a podcast at the moment. We did an episode about um, 
dreams, like about the 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 death of dreams. Mm. Um, and for me, I would say dreamer's disease has like a double meaning. So one of them is like, if you are a person who's a dreamer, um, it's almost like you're automatically afflicted for for being that type of person. Um, and like having aspiration, having goals, like having big ambitions, having dreams comes with like a lot of stuff that people just don't talk about, mm. which is the hard bit. Um, and I feel like, it, like you could describe that as a disease. Um, and then also I would say dreamer's disease to me is kind of like there, there is like, it's almost like there's something in our, in our culture. And I think there's been a shift in culture recently where like there are more people who are like, coming out and saying, I don't love the word entrepreneur, but there are yeah. more people that are coming out and saying they're entrepreneurs and they're doing stuff. But I think there's almost like, in the same way like men are socialized to be trash sometimes or often, um, I think we as people are socialized to not go for stuff, to mm. not do things. Um, and I think you could call that a disease as well in, in, a, in the sense of like, we limit ourselves so much and there's no, there's no need to do it. Like my last year has been like doing crazy stuff yeah. that I never thought I would do just because I thought I can try. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And when you try, like doors open and things happen. So I think that's, that's yeah, a double meaning, yeah. double barrel there. Love it, man. Powerful. Um, and then if, if we could go back in time, mm -hmm. jump in my imaginary time machine yeah. and we can go speak to a younger Ben. Yeah. Um, what three bits of advice would you give yourself to start doing from that moment? Three bits of advice that I'd give myself to start doing from what age are we talking? Uh, 14, you mentioned a 14-year-old okay. version of yourself before. A 14-year-old me, I would say the glow up is coming. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I would say like for one, like you're good. Like just relax and enjoy and enjoy being who you are. Because I feel like at 14, I wasn't like particularly normal. I think like I probably started puberty quite late. Um, and so like, I wasn't like as into like other people and like having girlfriends or boyfriends and stuff at that age. Like I was very much like, I still want to play with my Beyblades and yeah. play with my Yu-Gi-Oh cards and chill. Um, and I think there's like a stealing of innocence that happens very, very early. And people should keep that innocence for as long as they can. Not in terms of like being ignorant of the world, but in terms of like using their imagination and like doing what they actually feel like doing at any given moment. Mm. Like I, I feel like I would have told myself to hold on to that for longer. Um, I would have told myself that not that, not that education didn't matter because education does matter, but that your emotional health is more important than, than like passing your GCSEs. Mm. And so like GCSEs are super important. I don't want anybody to watch this and think I'm saying don't do your GCSEs, do them. They're important and do as well as you can. But like also that's not the be all and end all of life. Um, and the other thing I would have said, what would it have been? Some, something around, do you know what? If I'm talking honestly, something I would have said to myself if I, if I could go back to being 14 would be like, force yourself to spend more time with your dad. Mm. Um, because my right. dad, like, he's not like the, like, he's always been there. He's always been present. He's just not very like emotionally literate. He doesn't very, he doesn't yeah. really talk very much at all. Yeah. Um, and I would have like, I think now at this point in my life, like I, it feels like I'm building a relationship with my dad, which would have been dope if I could have had that from being young. Um, and I think if I could go back and talk to myself at 14, I'd have been like, he's not as scary as you think he is. Mm -hmm. Like, just relax and like, 
try and talk to him about the stuff that you're interested in yeah. or like try and like spend time learning about the stuff that he's interested in so that you can build that relationship and it doesn't feel like because now it feels a bit like there's maybe not like loads of time left or like I'm not around as much as I'd want to be around um and so I would have I would have loved to have like been more intentional about building that relationship yeah. oh, man that's an amazing one that's that is a great one I feel like that's a lot of stuff that you know, with, with my dad, like that would, yeah, would have been amazing from yeah. a young age. Like, you know, me and my dad got on a right relationship, you know, mm. we've always, like our relationships have always been through football. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah, going yeah. to football together, him coming to watch me play, going to watch games together and all that sort of stuff. And that's where we've kind of spent most of our quality time as it were, like, yeah. which is very typical, like, you know, masculine in the, in the man box kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going to the football with your dad, having the chat in the car on the way there or whatever. Um, so yeah, that that's that's a really great, great, great one there. Um, so before we jump into the last question, mm-hmm. can you let people know where they can find you online oh. um, and how they can find out more about your work um, cool. and anything else that you want to kind of shout about? Right, I need to check, boy. Um, so on socials, if you want to find me, I am at the real Ben Hurst on everything. Um, on everything that I'm on, if you type in the real Ben Hurst, I'll pop up, and if I don't pop up, then I'm not there. Um, <laughs> And except on Facebook where my handle is, I've got a page now, so you can follow my page. And on for work, so we are on Instagram as, yeah, so at on Instagram, we are Good Lad Initiative. Initiative is a really hard word to spell, but you you can do it, I believe in you. Um, and on Twitter, at GL Initiative. Um, so follow us. There's There's a lot of stuff coming this year, which like, you might want to see if you're interested yeah. in the podcast you'll probably want to see yeah. um so follow us and keep your eyes peeled for that kind of stuff um and then you can find me in these streets baby i'm out here if you see me out and about holla say hello um i'm happy to chat um but don't ask for autographs because that's mad awkward yeah, do you ever get asked for autographs nah. uh, neither do i <laughs> but please ask me for an autograph i want to feel famous um <laughs> But yeah, you can catch me. You can catch me wherever wherever dope things are happening I'm about. <laughs> Amazing. So last question. What does happiness mean to you? Oh, what does happiness mean to me? Mm. Happiness to me is being being comfortable with who you are. Um I would say I would say being comfortable with who you are and where you are in life, but I think like situations change really like quickly and you can't predict that kind of stuff. Um, but I think if you can, if you can like genuinely get, get to a place where you're all right with yourself, then you're happy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there are a lot of other places you can find happiness, but that happiness is very temporary. Like it comes and goes, you can find happiness in relationships. You can find it in work. You can find it in a job, find it in a career path. You can find it in like hobbies and stuff, but that stuff very quickly, like, changes or like you get injured or like you you get fired or whatever and then or you break up and then all of that happiness is gone but i think if you can like which is hard and i wouldn't say i'm 100 percent there um but i think if you can find if you can like be comfortable with yourself then you're good yeah 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 powerful man that's that is like the truth basically well, so yeah man look thank you for the time i appreciate it me. been a great conversation and yeah i hope that um if anyone's listening to this and you know they want to get in touch with either of us they do yes um we'll try and share those book lists and the um 
can't remember what the other list was going to be. The other list was said actions, actions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, thank you for listening. And yeah, thanks for your time, man. It's been yeah. a pleasure. So there we have it, guys. That was me and Ben talking about masculinity and really trying to break it down and get to the levels of where we kind of believe that conversation needs to go. I really hope you enjoyed it. And as I mentioned at the start, you know, it's a discussion around masculinity is something I've been wanting to have on here for a while. And I know a lot of guys struggle with a lot of the topics we discuss. So it's a really important one for me. So whether you're a guy listening to this or you have a partner or a brother, a dad, a friend, whatever it may be, Hopefully this conversation can really help you understand a lot of the pressures that guys feel and hopefully it will encourage you to kind of begin opening up those conversations with, with the men in your life. And if, you know, if it's something that you think someone's going to benefit from, then please do make sure you share it with them because we want to share the love of this podcast and particularly this episode. As ever, guys, you can always connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at I am Alex Manzi. Insta is where I hang out the most. So if you want to contact me, DM me, you know, screenshot this, tag me in your stories whatever it may be that's the best place for it but until next time make sure you go out there and chase your dreams and i will see you on the next episode this podcast is produced by unedited